And coming up now, we're talking travel. Sally Lucas will be taking us to Switzerland. Can you think of anything nicer? And for a bit of a change after that, Borneo as well. And Sally Lucas joining me. We are talking travel and we're going off to a place that just is the ultimate in scenery, I think. I do too, Jane. And I must admit, before I started in the travel industry, my one ambition on top of everything else, the first country I wanted to go to was Switzerland. Um, It had always conjured up, you know, these wonderful images for me. And of course, when you go there, you're not at all disappointed, as you will attest to, I am sure. And I just thought we'd go through, you know, some of the places in Switzerland today. Obviously, we can't cover everything in one little session but it is a very small country as we all know and you know landlocked but it has so much on offer for all seasons of the year and all the cities there have got their own interest in in various different ways and I mean even the the capital city of Bern you know it's it's not as a capital city as one would imagine elsewhere you know it's much more I suppose condensed or smaller than you would expect a capital city to be. Um, there's a lot to do there, though, as well. And it first became... Um uh, the, they had, of course, the bear featured on the present city coat of arms first appeared in 1224 there. And also it became a university city in 1834. And in 1848 it was chosen to be the federal capital of Switzerland by the first national Swiss parliament. So it's a very interesting city to go to anyway. Some lovely buildings <coughs> there too, lovely yes. old ones. Yeah. Beautiful. Yes, I've uh, only briefly been to Bern, but yes. Mm. Um, Geneva, of course, is close to the to the French border. And, of course, you'd be forgiven when you're in Switzerland of wondering whether you're in France or Germany because depending on where you are, you might be speaking French or a, a variation thereof or German or a variation thereof as well. So <clears throat> they have these mix of languages. And, of course, I feel so envious that they can speak so many languages, the Swiss anyway, because they're, they're just so close to so many other countries. So Geneva is quite cosmopolitan, of course, and it's got lots of international organisations there as we know, like the United Nations and so on. But, of course, you've got lovely museums, art galleries, opera house, and, of course, Lake Geneva itself. And it's just something for everyone to do there as well. One of my favourite little places was Interlaken. I thought that was so beautiful, the colour of the, the water there, everything was just delightful. And, of course, when you've got rivers spilling down from these wonderful glacial mountains, of course, you get these beautiful deep colours, don't you, in the water, deep greeny, bluey, colours which are just just gorgeous so the Interlaken is in the Jungfrau region um, between um, the waters of Lake Brienz and Lake Thun and it lies at the foot of the world's most famous of course Eiger mountain being one of them of course and the Jungfrau as well Um, and you can even do romantic horse-drawn carriage rides there as well which is quite lovely then you've got Lausanne and of course again very picturesque and it's built on three hills and the city meets the waters of Lake Geneva surrounded by vineyards and of course the Alps are clear, quite clear across the water and give these wonderful re- reflections of course in the water there as well. Um, Lucerne again another one of my favourites it's such a gorgeous little city with its covered bridge and everything that you can do there it's delightful and you've got cobblestone streets and spires and turrets and covered bridges as we said frescoed houses and of course you, you quite close to Mount Titlis or Mount Pilatus, which is quite incredible to go up those series of, of gondolas and cog railways and so on to get up there and uh, quite a beautiful view, obviously, once you get to the top. Um, then you've got Montreux, of course, where they have the famous um, jazz and rock festivals down there. And, um, of course, they call it the Pearl of the Swiss Riviera. Uh, so we're, we're getting this real combination of things to do in Switzerland. And then, we, of course, we've got St. Moritz, of course, which is famous for the rich and famous, I suppose. Um, and, of course, you've got wonderful summer things you can do there as well as, of course, skiing in the winter. And Zermatt, which is at the foot of the Matterhorn, again, a wonderful 
mountain, of course, and lots of lovely climbs and things you can do there as well as just skiing. And you've also got Zurich, naturally. And, of course, Zurich has a lot to offer as well there. So... And this thing, when you're in Switzerland, everything does run like clockwork. Um, you've got wonderful um, scenic train routes you can do throughout Switzerland. You can get a Swiss, Swiss pass or a Swiss flexi pass, which is quite a great way of getting around Switzerland. And it's about 26 cantons in Switzerland, I think, from memory. So, you know, it, it offers a lot, a lot of variation, a lot of blends of the different cultures of the surrounding countries. And, of course, that chocolate box scenery, which you can't replicate. I mean, it is absolutely to die for and such a beautiful place to visit and also don't forget the fondue and the cheese as well. To a new RFM at 18 past one we're talking travel Sally Lucas and I and Sally we're off to somewhere a little bit warmer than our last spot. Certainly, especially at this time of the year, um, I think Switzerland would be extremely cold when you look at what's been happening for the Europeans this winter. However, we will move on to Borneo now. Now, it's in the heart of the Malay archipelago, and it's the third largest island in the world. The southern two-thirds of the island is divided into the four provinces of West, Central, South and East Kalimantan, and the northern coast is divided into the states of Sarawak and Sabah. Now, the tiny nation of Brunei is wedged between those two last Malaysian states. It's quite a tiny little sultanate there. And, of course, there's, there's no alcohol, totally alcohol-free zone and no smoking in that country. Um, so they live a very clean life. Um, Borneo is home to the world's oldest tropical rainforests, which until recently, of course, covered the entire island. But as we all know, since about 1950, almost 50% of the island's been cleared to satisfy the Western world's appetite for cheap timber and palm oil, which is why we have a problem with the orangutans, as we've everyone probably knows and I know there's products that I buy certainly out there in the marketplace that, that go through Planet Ark to help you know saving the orangutans some eco-friendly products so everyone should have a look at that and try and help in any way you can I feel to save some of these animals that could become extinct if we don't do something now and act now. Anyway, among the, um, amongst the plant's most biological diverse ecosystems, which it is, um, you can feel like you've stepped into a zoological paradise because it's got such a diversity of um, flora and fauna and cultural ecology. So just to sort of sit back and think about it, that they've got numbers, about 15,000 plant varieties and 400 of only which of which have only just recently been discovered. So that's quite amazing, isn't it, from the flora point of view. 222 species of mammals, 420 resident birds, 100 amphibians, 394 species of fish, and also Borneo um, falls within what they call the coral triangle. And this, in, uh, even, they have even more than 500 species then of reef building corals, which, um, gives you an absolute, uh, epicenter of marine biodiversity. And the World Wildlife, World <coughs> Wildlife Fund, excuse me, has put this region on the top of its lift, list for marine conservation. And I know from people that have been there, the waters are so pristine and clean and the diving is absolutely superb. So it's one of those destinations to consider that you don't always think about. You can go to see these wonderful orangutans in, in some of these sanctuaries. You can go and see the turtles being released at Sepalok, which is wonderful as well, another sanctuary there. So this year, Orion Expedition Cruising is running a, a marvellous number of cruises, if you're interested in Borneo, to cover some of these areas. 
Um, to give you an idea, one's already gone in January, but in August and then again in December, there's one called Rajas Riches and Rainforests. And that's going to visit some of the key destinations in Malaysian Borneo, national parks as well, wildlife centres, as we've mentioned, for orangutans, and also lots of other national parks where you get an idea of these diverse ecosystems that once covered the entire island. Um, so then they go to cultural villages and also they go into Bandar Seri uh, Begawan in Brunei as well on that one. There's another one, Secrets of Sabah in July, September and December and that again is taking in some different areas including Sandakan and of course that was famous or infamous should we say for those World War II death marches where only six people survived from the initial 6,000 participants on that death march. Not enough is said about that. We all know about Hellfire Pass and you know Changi enough areas but this, this area here it, it's just if you Google it it's just absolutely amazing. Um, then there's another one um, in September, and that's taking you to the seldom visited eastern side of um, Borneo as well, and again to view reforestation projects that are happening there and rehabilitation of orangutans, because what they are doing there, they are releasing them back into the wild, whereas China, for example, with the pandas, which also could become extinct, they're not releasing them back into the wild yet, and they feel they've got to start doing that soon because they won't just survive purely in captivity. Know, in captivity. Mm-hmm. So we really have to make sure that money gets to these people to help them release these animals back into their natural environment. And there's another one in October that's doing Borneo, Barubador and beyond. Of course, Barubador is that most wonderful temple in Jakarta that is absolutely fascinating. And of course, it's famous in that area for the Komodo dragon, which is one of the world's largest reptiles. And it goes to the Makoto National Park and also into Makassar, which is a fascinating colonial cultural history there. Of, of Malay. So yes, there's some wonderful excursions there that you can do. And as we all know with the expedition cruising, you are getting into areas that normally no one would have been into before, really. And also you get guest lecturers. So you're getting lots of information from lecturers on botany and the flora, the fauna, etc. So you're sort of a, a pre, if you like, uh, advised about what you're going to experience once you get to these wonderful destinations. So keep it in mind and keep it in mind to try and buy some eco-friendly products to help save these wonderful creatures. Thank you, Sally Lucas. Thank you, Jane. And we'll be talking travel again next Friday after the one o'clock news on 2NURFM.